so hello, listeners, and welcome to the second episode of Live and Learn, where, as promised uh, in the last episode, I have an exciting guest with me today. Adult education champion, Mr. Reese Stagnolia, is joining me via phone from Frankfurt, so if it sounds like we're in a barrel, that's, that's why. And Reese wears many hats in the realm of adult education in our country, and Reese, if I forget any of those hats, please add them in. But in, in addition to being Vice President for Adult Education for Kentucky Adult Education Skills U here in the Bluegrass State, he's also the Chair of the National Council of State Directors of Adult Education, which partners with many entities in our country that work to influence and transform policy in the U.S. So all of that is to say welcome, Reese, to Live and Learn, and especially thank you for joining me after you've had such a busy week. Um, this week has been Adult Education and Family Literacy Week here in the U.S., and I saw your face and pictures all over Twitter as an advocate in Washington this week for Capitol Hill Day. So we'll get more into your time on Capitol Hill in a minute, but can you tell us some background on Educate and Elevate, which I think is the driving force behind Capitol Hill Day, correct, and kind of how this event came about? Sure. Well, first of all, Susie, thank you for the opportunity to participate with you today. And uh, so Educate and Elevate is a partnership uh, with the National Council of State Directors organization and with COABE who have come together to understand that there's a, a great need for us to get our message out in the public arena in terms of why adult education is important and uh, why we need to uh, invest in adult education. And, and uh, so as you many uh, have, may have noticed, our tagline there is adult education and investment in America's future. And I think that we, in partnership with COABE, we've, COABE is the organization that we use as full capacity marketing. And they've done terrific work in, in helping us put together webinars and uh, lots of materials that are on the educateandelevate.org website. There's uh, information on there, how to reach out and add your voice to uh, congressional members in terms of, of advocacy and awareness of, of the importance of adult education. Education. So we hope that, that folks are regularly, as they see, public policy matters that affect adult education, whether it's um, policy or funding and budget, that they reach out and, and make their voice heard through um, uh, EducateAndElevate.org. Right, and I think I saw about 55,000 and counting have done that, so that's wonderful, definitely, definitely much needed. And so... As I mentioned, you just came back from D.C., and I'm sure you had lots of good company with advocates and leaders from all over. So in talking with so many of your peers, what's kind of what's the pulse of adult education across the country right now? Well, there's certainly a lot of concern about the budget across the country for uh, many uh, adult educators and my colleagues, uh, state directors of adult education. And so one of the things that particularly connected with this Educate and Elevate is COABE has sponsored uh, or put on a Capitol Hill Day in the last couple of days where many adult educators from across the country ascended on D.C. to have meetings with uh, congressional members. Just 
to uh, create the awareness and importance of uh, the impact of adult education programs. Fortunately, uh, sponsored by the Aztec Software Company, was a, a great sponsor in supporting all of us to, to come and, and do this work, but it uh, provides a great opportunity to just tell our story about uh, why adult education is so important. And, and one of the things that we've attempted to do through this campaign is focus on the positive of, of why uh, it's important to invest in adult education. And so, you know, funding has been uh, rather flat for a number of years at, at a federal funding level. And so we want to advocate to increase and invest in adult ed uh, at the authorized level. And to, instead of the message of, quite honestly, uh, over the years we uh, the message at times is focused on uh, don't cut, don't cut uh, adult education. And so we've tried to flip the message in a positive way to say invest, invest in adult ed, because what we've heard is, is all uh, constituency groups across the nation or whether it's in a state legislature, the message is often don't cut. And, and sometimes that can come across as sort of a whiny voice as opposed to voice of advocating for the importance. So uh, we've tried to sort of flip the message in a positive way. Well, and you know, I think that the advocacy and the new messaging is so critical because I know just in the public sector, you know, people who don't really understand what adult education is and what even GED prep is, I actually still run into some folks who think it's some old ladies in a basement of a library somewhere on a Tuesday night, you know, working one-on-one -on -one with with students. I really appreciate how it's working to get the message out that things are not that way at all, and you know that. Not only is this vitally important, but things have really changed. Even in, even in the last five years, things have changed tremendously. So I well, think that's I think an important I'll, message. That that's an important message, and and you make an important point in terms of of the fact that it's changed. And and as I've had the opportunity to talk to different folks in D.C. and and otherwise, I think it's important to note that the, the Workforce Innovation Opportunity Act has really been a real catalyst for changes, what you just described in, in adult education. Uh, you know, it's no longer about just teaching someone to read their Bible or cookbook, but it's really about how do we prepare folks to successfully compete in today's economy or transition to post-secondary has been a real focus. So we know that where there's skill progression, there's wage progression. Mm -hmm. and we know that, you know, a high school equivalency diploma is simply not enough to compete uh, in today's economy. So that's an important point that we continue to try to emphasize that, you know, the jobs of the future are going to require some post-secondary education and training, 65% of the jobs across the nation for that matter. And the operative word there is some post-secondary education and training. Mm -hmm. It doesn't say an associate degree or, or baccalaureate degree, but uh, certificates and credentials, whether it be in phlebotomy or welding or carpentry, or machining. There's a lot of great opportunities to increase educational attainment and decrease increase uh, wage earning potential as a result of, of of this work. Absolutely, and I know Accelerating Opportunity is working to give adult education students dual credit opportunities in some of these in-demand fields and. We hear so much about the skills gap, 92% of executives saying that candidates don't have soft skills. And I just saw, a, it came out a couple of weeks ago, a careerbuilder.com survey that says, 
even the technical skills gap is costing companies a million dollars a piece annually. And I honestly think that's probably a low number. I saw another statistic recently that said any job that's open for any company longer than three months is costing them $14,000 per position. And so I think, you know, adult education is really poised to be a part of that, especially with accelerating opportunity and career pathways in our classrooms. We're, we're bridging that gap in quite well, I think. Well, you've you know, just really hit on another great point that particularly with accelerating opportunity is no longer do our students have time to go through the old linear model of spending a couple years obtaining a high school equivalency or GED and then go on to occupational uh, skills training. So if we can do this concurrently and they can um, get on a career pathway to where or obtain a high school equivalency along with some occupational skills, and enter the workforce, uh, and, and in some cases it may be entering into a, a more of an entry-level wage job, but they could stay on a career pathway and continue to increase their academic skills would certainly be most advantageous to, to the students that we serve. Certainly a very, uh, we think the, the that model of integrated education training, dual enrolled, concurrent enrolled, in adult education, occupational skills training has continues to have great promise and potential. And the you know again going back to the to the Workforce Innovation and Opportunity Act being a catalyst for for change, it, it really I think helps define uh, you know it's a now adult education with a purpose, adult education with some intentionality around preparing individuals for to be college and career ready. Our big goal would be for students to be able to enter post-secondary education and training without entering developmental education courses. So that's the big goal to equip them with the academic skills to to better succeed in the future. Right, and within WIOA as well, you know, there are so many partnerships I think that are starting to take place and finding that, you know, getting the message out about what we do really is connecting to what so many other partner agencies are doing. So, who do you who do you think are um, so far emerging as some of the most valuable partners that we're seeing, both in Kentucky and kind of across the country, as we work toward fulfilling our mission, and you know, along the way, helping them in their own missions. Well, I think it's critical that we develop great partnerships and relationships, and we've been able to do that here in Kentucky, particularly with the Accelerating Opportunity Initiative with our Department of uh, Workforce Innovation, as well as the Kentucky Community and Technical College System have been partners uh, in that venture. We also see on the horizon is the opportunity to uh, work with individuals that are, that are most likely going to be part of, of the Medicaid recipients in Kentucky that will have the opportunity through community engagement to participate either in education and training programs like adult education and or volunteer efforts in a community. And we believe that uh, we can help. Uh, we've identified that of the 354,000 adults in Kentucky without a high school equivalency that are in the working age population 18 to 64, we've identified about 128,000 that are Medicaid recipients. And so we know that if we can help those individuals obtain a high school equivalency, transition on to post-secondary or prepare them for better employment opportunities, the impact that it can have in terms of helping them no longer be a Medicaid recipient. And so 
one of the things that you know we we've noted uh, in terms of you know states' budgets, and 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 I'm sure this uh, is an issue across the nation, and, and it's something that I mentioned uh, in, in D.C. this week. Uh, with some of these congressional meetings that I was involved with, the impact that this has on uh, the social service costs. So if we can improve educational attainment and help more individuals obtain a high school equivalency, the less likely they're going to be a burden on uh, social services and, and draw on and what are become very costly social service costs for our nation. And if you look at state budgets, uh, if you think of it as sort of the the budget pie, if you will, the, the slices of the budget pie go for, you know, education, Medicaid, and uh, oftentimes Department of Corrections. So I like to say we the, the budget is, you know, we educate, medicate, and incarcerate. And far too much of those slices are for the Medicaid and incarceration as opposed to we could spend uh, greater resources on education. And we've identified that, that individuals with low basic skills are twice as likely to be unemployed, three times as likely to be in poverty, four times as likely to have poor health, and eight times as likely to be incarcerated. So, you know, there's a, a tangible example of uh, the high cost of low educational attainment. Absolutely, absolutely. And so specifically in D.C. this week, I'm sure you had the opportunity, like you said, congressional meetings and such. Um, so both you and your colleagues who were there, who did you have leadership-wise? Who did you have the opportunity to meet with? And in addition to, I guess, you mentioned the issues that you were able to discuss, what would you say was the response of those with whom you had the chance to meet? Well, the responses seems to always uh, be very favorable. And one of the things that, you know, I wanted to provide sort of a, of a tangible policy issue that I've been trying to share with folks um, in, in different venues um, at the, the national and state level is this issue around uh, what, what I'm hearing here in Kentucky is particularly in areas where there aren't great job opportunities. I'm hearing from our uh, adult educators across Kentucky that students are saying, why bother? Why get a GED or high school equivalency? I've lost hope and there are no job opportunities available. So that translates into if I've lost hope and no job opportunities, I hear them say if there aren't job opportunities available, uh, if I do pursue educational attainment, obtain a GED, all I'll, I can go to work for is minimum wage, 9 or $10 an hour, and that's not a family-sustaining wage job. So they have also are pretty adept uh, in calculating. I can stay home, and this is just a random figure, but, but something close to what I've heard, is I can stay home and with Medicaid, food stamps, welfare, uh, Section 8 housing, on and on, I can earn the equivalent of, let's say, $24.32 an hour. Right. Why bother to get a GED and go to work for 9 or $10 an hour? So. Mm-hmm. On the policy side, if we can scale, instead of if they obtain a high school equivalency and go to work, and instead of losing all of their public benefits, if they will stay on a career pathway progression and and move from getting a phlebotomist certificate to a, a LPN, RN, so as their wages scale up, instead of falling off the fiscal cliff on the benefit side, if those benefits would scale down similarly, 
then I think we would more likely be able to motivate these individuals who have said, I've lost hope, why bother? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's where career pathways is really starting to change the game for students, you know, where they're introduced to a contextualized lesson in their GED classrooms that relates to healthcare or manufacturing, some of these high demand fields nationwide, and then realizing that little steps along the way, multiple entry, multiple exit points, they'll eventually get to where they want to be. But can earn that family-sustaining wage all along the way. So I'm glad that that message is, is certainly out there. It sounds like things went very well in D.C. and sounds like a, I know for a fact things are going really well in Kentucky. Well, thank you, Reese, so much for joining me today. And I know I speak on behalf of so many when I say I appreciate your work for the many causes that adult education addresses, so many we just mentioned. It really is, I think, the, the cure for our country right now. And so I'm glad to hear that things are really moving and going well and that we have the ear of leadership for sure. And uh, also thank you to all of our listeners who are joining us today. And until next time, thanks very much. All right. Yes. Okay. Thank you, Susie.